I've been told that I'm too hard on people, I'm uncaring, unloving. I'm told I'm not friendly enough. I'm told a lot of things. All those people are wrong. It's not true. Okay? Now, obviously, yeah, park right there, brother.
chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. When you found that portion in God's Word, why don't you stand with us, please? And the Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of year, for the virgin birth, the fact that man cannot reach up to you, so you reached down to us and did what we could not do for ourselves. You sent us a Savior because you knew we needed to be rescued. Lord, as we celebrate your birth today and tomorrow, we are hope we never forget that you are the reason for the season, that we will laugh, we will probably cry, we will enjoy the company of one another, we will hurt with those that are hurting, and we will rejoice with those that are rejoicing, and we recognize at times Christmas is a test for those that are going through difficult times, and it's not joyful for everyone, but I pray that they would experience your peace, your comfort, and the knowledge of knowing that there is something far, far better ahead of us than anything we leave behind. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. When I was younger, there was a, a, re, it's a, a feeling that I had, and I don't know if you can remember Karen Carpenter's Christmas or not, but this was a song we always played in our house when I was first married, and so we're going to play it now if we have the ability we're going to play it now, if we have the ability. <laughs> oh, gosh! That's probably not it. This the it's Christmas time and time for a carol. Time to sing about the little king. To fill the bowl and roll out the barrel. Have ourselves a fling. We greet a friend or welcome a stranger. Let him sing or cheer him on his way. And celebrate the child in a manger born on Christmas Day. Good cheer for you and for me with pleasure and glee to share. Oh, we snow and falls like snow take a moment take a look about and say a snowflakes fall merry christmas to one and all it's christmas time and time for a carol time to sing about the little king to fill the bowl and roll up the barrel have ourselves a clean 
See, yeah. That whole thing has just, for me, such a feel of Christmas, you know? It's, it's nostalgia, yeah, but it's just Karen Carpenter's was, had the greatest voice. And when she sung Christmas songs, it was always that feeling. Every one of us, for me, you just experienced the, the memories that I have or the feeling that I have about Christmas. Everyone has different experiences, different memories, all of those things. And sad to say, a lot of the world is not necessarily celebrating the birth of our Savior today. They're celebrating other things, family, presents, all of those things. But the reality of Jesus Christ in the equation is not present. And that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. For me, obviously, Christmas has evolved over the years. I was born in 1962. In the early years, you went shopping in downtown Bangor, W.T. Grant's. Freezes, Sears, the surplus store. Now I'm telling you, if you don't remember the surplus store, it was only 15 years roughly after World War II, and it was just so much military surplus that they had stores that you could go in and buy. You could buy helmets. You could buy military fatigues, pants, extra bullets. I mean, there was just anything. Extra military. It was called the surplus store. You could buy foldable spades. You could dig your own foxholes with. And it was all in there. It was great. Then, obviously, in the early last of the 70s, the early 80s, came the Bangor Mall. You didn't have to fight for a parking spot downtown. There was plenty of parking for everybody. You went into Sears and J.C. Penney's and Porches, Mitchell and Braun and all those places. 
Anderson Little, you could buy a suit so much for so little in Anderson Little. You remember all those places? And, and, and then that was just the mall experience. You go in there and fight crowds and stand in lines and all of those things. And it was just, this is Christmas. Now, you sit in front of your computer, you bring up Amazon. And then the next thing you know, you're best friends with the FedEx, the UPS, and all those people that, that just keep coming and deliver the stuff. It's, it's changed tremendously. But what has not changed since the fall in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 to the year 2023 and until Christ returns is the fact that man is sinful and he needs a savior. And that is what Christmas celebrates, is the fact that Jesus came as God's son to be this, the rescue for you and I. So in our, the typical Christmas story is Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, and an angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to be with child before you have a relationship with Joseph. And Joseph is told by an angel that don't get upset with Mary. The baby that's in her is from the Holy Ghost. And so any plan, any semblance of what they thought would be normal in their life has been thrown out by God's plan. Their life has been transformed, told to do something totally different that they were not planning on. And so they start making preparations to have a baby in Nazareth, but there came out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing takes place, not not recorded in the Bible, but in history we know every 14 years there's going to be a census, and you need to go back home where you were born to be taken toll of and pay your taxes. The IRS has a different system now. They know where you are. They can get it from you. You don't have to go anywhere. They will come. And if you don't pay, they will come. They'll check the books. Check it twice. Find out if you've been naughty or nice. That's the IRS. It's not Santa. So in those days, they had to go. And so they went to Bethlehem. And according to God's plan, Mary delivered a child. And shepherds came and Simeon prayed over the child and was promised the consolation of Israel and all of the adoration of Anna that you see in Luke chapter 2. And the story that you and I are so familiar with tells us some things this morning that we ought not to forget. Number one is that God moved in chapter 2 and verse 1, and it came to pass in those days they went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the... No, no, God didn't move. Caesar said they had to move. God uses people. In Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. Let me tell you something. Things don't just happen. God is moving the pieces. If you get upset with the guy in the White House, God is moving the pieces. If you get upset with some of the things going on in, in, in your sphere of the world and you can't, let me tell you something, God has his hand on the controls and he is the one doing what is happening. Whether we like it or not, whether we're being blessed or chastised, 
God is the one that is in charge. Don't you look at people and wonder. If you're upset with how things are going, get on your knees and talk to the Lord about it. Because he's the one that is making things happen. God moves people. And God moved Caesar Augustus because his son needed to be born in Bethlehem and not in Nazareth. The work of God is forever linked into every event of mankind. He made us. He loves us. And to think that any hair on your head or sparrow that flies is unaccountable to him is not remotely possible. Someone said we celebrate Christ's birth by referencing, by referring to it on the date placed on our coins, birth certificates, and death certificates. All records bear that wonderful date. It is inscribed upon every, upon metal and written upon parchment and engraved in the cornerstones of our buildings. It is on every newspaper, every check, every deed, and is universally acknowledged as the beginning of a new life. Every human transaction is related to the birth of Christ. It cannot be avoided or evaded. God has seen to, human, God has seen to it that this event is more widely advertised than anything on earth that is or that ever has been. He came to save men. He came to defeat Satan. He came to reveal God. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Many of us have had life-changing episodes that we reflect on when we look back on our life. For instance, I was first married in 1983. When I think of that date, I think of that is a, a time in my life where I remember that was before I was married or after I was married. There was another time in 1998 when another significant event happened in my life. And I look at 1998 as where was I before that or was that after that? There are times in our lives, every one of us have dates that we remember. The date that you and I are, everything is registered around is the birth of Jesus Christ, B.C. or A.D. Now, I notice that now in, with the, the real smart people trying to remove God from society, now they've gone to B.C.E. or A.C.E., before the common era or after the common era. They don't want the name of Christ mentioned with a date. Well, just what happens to be the common era? Well, the common era started at the birth of Jesus Christ. They can't take him out of the equation. He's still there. We just can't speak his name. Well, I can speak his name. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my God. We will not remove him from our society. But they're trying very hard, and obviously they will try and fail. So every 14 years there was a census, and God used that to make sure his son was born in the city where he was supposed to be. Number one, God moved. Number two, God loved. Look at verses 6 and 7. So was it while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Just in a little side note, Sad to say, there was no room for him in the inn at that time in Bethlehem. And in most hearts and lives today, there's no room for him there either. Folks, room needs to be made for Jesus Christ in your life. It's extremely important. God loved us. He sent his son. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you talk to someone, a common question the Christian will ask someone when they're sharing their faith is they'll say, so you know if you're going to go to heaven when you die? And a common answer is, well, you know, I'm a good person. 
or you don't realize all the good that I've done for other people. And of course I'm going to go, I'm, 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 I'm not a killer, I'm not a murderer, I'm, I don't steal, I don't kill, I don't, I, don't, I don't do things, you know, yeah, of course I'm going to heaven. Well, the Bible says that, that all have sinned and come short. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. For, the, for, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is nothing you can do to reach high enough to grasp heaven. But God loved us so much that he recognized our failure in getting to him, so he came to us in the form of his son. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. One of my favorite Christmas songs is one that we don't sing. But I'll give you the words to it. It's called, Who is He in Yonder Stall? Who is He in Yonder Stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? The chorus is, Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At His feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. And then the song goes on and it keeps asking questions and it goes down through his life. And I'll just give it to you quickly. Who is he in deep distress, fasting in the wilderness? Who is he the people bless for his words of gentleness? Who is he to whom they bring all the sick and sorrowing? Who is he that stands and weeps at the grave where Lazarus sleeps? And of course, after each one of these sayings, "'Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. "'Tis the Lord, the King of glory. "'Lo, at midnight, who is he, praising dark Gethsemane? "'Who is he, gathering throng, greet with loud and triumphant song? "'Who is he, on yonder tree, dies in grief and agony? "'Who is he, from the grave, comes to succor, help and save who is he from his throne rules through all the worlds alone tis the lord a wondrous story tis the lord the king of glory at his feet we humbly fall crown him crown him lord of all god moved god loved and god saved in verses 10 to 12 we didn't read it in our text, but it says, The angel said unto him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Talking to the shepherds, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And this is important. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel's telling the shepherds about a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why? Well, these shepherds were raising sheep for the temple sacrifice. These weren't just any sheep being raised for the local restaurant. I named one. We have the, the famous chain, Matzo Muffins and Mutton. They weren't raising sheep for the restaurant chain. They were raising sheep for the temple sacrifices. And there was a process that would take place because the sheep sacrificed in the temple had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish. And when a sheep is born, what happens is it struggles around and it tries to walk. It stumbles, it falls, it injures itself. It's part of growing up. They toughen up. You know the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
But that wasn't good for a sheep because if it was injured or hurt or scarred in any way, it could not be a sacrifice. So the shepherd, as soon as that little lamb was born, they would grab that and they would swaddle that sheep and they would bind it up and they would secure it until it was strong enough to walk stably so it would not hurt itself. It was protected from birth so it could be a perfect sacrifice. Interesting that an angel tells these shepherds that are used to this process, this baby is born in a manger, you'll find it wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And I don't know if they got the connection then, but they would have figured it out had they lived long enough to see that Savior suffer for their sins because that was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and he was bound and protected so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and I because God loved us and he wanted to save us. These shepherds were going to see the final lamb that would die to take away not just the sin of the owner, but the sin of the whole world of those that would put their faith and trust in him. Paul Harvey tells the story. One raw winter night, a, a man heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door. He went to a window and watched his tiny shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside, beat in vain against the glass. Touched, the farmer bundled up and trudged through the fresh snow to open the barn for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, tossed some hay in a corner, sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers to direct them to the barn. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, still hid in the darkness, afraid of him. He tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating to his house to see if they'd flutter into the barn on their own. Nothing worked. He, a huge alien creature, had terrified them. The birds could not understand that he actually desired to help. He withdrew to his house and watched the doomed sparrows through a window. As he stared, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment, then I wouldn't frighten them so. I could show them the way to warmth and safety. At the same moment, another thought dawned him, on him. He had grasped the whole principle of the incarnation. A man's becoming a bird is nothing compared to God's becoming a man. The concept of a sovereign being as big as the universe he created, confining himself to a human body, was and is too much for some people to believe. You know, you can learn a lot from people. If you watch folks, you know, I'm not encouraging this, but if you came to church just to watch people, you'd get quite entertained, you know. We go to the mall. The mall isn't what it used to be, but, you know, you can see some things. Go downtown. Downtown's not what it used to be, but you can see some things. You can learn things from people. How to dress, how not to dress. <laughs> different looks and things. So, in closing this morning, let me give you four lessons very quickly that we can learn from the shepherds. 
It was the shepherds that the announcement was made to. They're us to us now in our Christian faith. They are, they are a honored group of guys that God chose. But, you know, they were not an honored group of guys back then. They were the crowd nobody wanted to be around. You know, did, if you grew up on a dairy farm at all or anything, if you've been around manure of different kinds, horses, cows, sheep, whatever it is, you know, when you, when you step in that and then you go in the house, nobody wants you. They don't love you. Matter of fact, they say hurtful things to you, you know? That was the shepherds. Nobody wanted to be around them. But the angel, God himself, chose that group of young men because the gospel doesn't go out to just the elites. It goes to the down and outs. It goes to the up and outs. It goes to anybody that will listen. It went to the shepherds, but it also went to King Herod, who was not interested at all. It went to the entire spectrum of society, if you will. But one thing we can, there are a few things we can learn from the shepherds. Number one, they received by faith what was told them. Now, it came from angels. That's quite convincing. But you know what? You and I have not heard from angels if you believe in Jesus Christ, but we've heard from God's Word. Just as good, probably better. Because this book, he was inspired by God himself. Didn't come from angels. There was a great series years ago called Touched by Angels. And everybody wanted to be, it was a big phenomenon at the time, touched by angels. Well, you know what? You'd be much better off to be touched by Jesus than to be touched by an angel. Very important to understand the distinction. But you know, those old shepherds, they weren't much. And they were the lowest form of life at that time. But they believed what they were told. Show some wisdom on their part. If you are here this morning and you're hearing the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ that he sent his son to be the savior to save you from your sins, you need to believe that. There's no other option. You need to believe that. The shepherds believed, number one. Number two, they investigated what they knew and confirmed the facts. They were told it, but they went to check it out. Let's go and see what these angels have said they went down and looked you know there's nothing wrong with investigating whether something is true or not if you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning maybe you're hearing it for the first time you're not quite sure there's a bunch of Christians and I've known some Christians and they ain't much and you know what that's a fact we're not much we're just sinners saved by grace. We've been forgiven. We are not perfect. Let me tell you something right now. If you attend this church for any amount of time, I will disappoint you. I'm not perfect. I've been, I've been told that I've told jokes that are inappropriate. Possibly I have. I didn't think so at the time. I've been told that I'm too hard on people. I'm uncaring, unloving. I'm told I'm not friendly enough. I'm told a lot of things. All those people are wrong. It's not true. Okay? Now, obviously, yeah, park right there, brother. But you know, when you hear something, you should investigate it. 
to find out if it's true or not, especially when it comes to eternal life. Because there's a lot of lies being told out there. Satan has a completely different thesis that he is shoveling down the throats of people. You want to know what Satan does? You can see terror on exhibit all around the world. That's Satan's side. And he's so good at it that he makes bad look good and good look bad. And he's convinced many people that the God in heaven is really the bad guy and that he's trying to ruin your life and sap all your fun and take your joy. And C.S. Lewis said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. I'll say that for you one more time. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ brings joy like no one else possibly could. Do not let Satan steal that from you. They received by faith what was told them. They investigated what they knew and confirmed the facts. Number three, they reported to others what they knew to be true. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. What do you like to talk about? I hope you like to gossip the gospel. I hope you like to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, that your sins can be forgiven, you can have joy in this life, and you can have eternal life with God himself when you leave here. I love that. They received by faith what was told them. They investigated what they knew and confirmed the facts. They reported to others what they knew to be true. And here's something that happens when you trust Christ as your personal Savior. You, they glorified God going back to their old jobs as new men. You know, some, a common testimony of folks that trust Christ as their Savior is after a few weeks or a few months, people will look at them and say, what happened to you? You're not like you used to be. Sometimes it's that old crowd that wants you to go get drunk and hammered again. You know, you ain't fun like you used to be. On the other hand, sometimes it's someone that's saying, you know, there's a change in you. And it's a good change. And I don't understand that. That's when you and I get to talk about, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. The greatest gift that we can receive at Christmas time is the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you, if you've never done that, it's time for you to believe.